welcome back to the John welcome back to the John no stop we have to do it in sync here you go ready set go Welcome, Welcome back, back to the to John, the John C. Show. C. Show interview portion. Interview portion. I'm your name. host. You guys are awful. KJ. KJ. No, you're not KJ. You're Patrick. Oh, right. <laughs> I forgot. You guys are very bad at this game. <laughs> I like to think it's, I'm good at it, but I'm really bad. It's there's room for improvement. You're not gonna hey. win an Oscar for your improv. That's the title of my book. Room, room for, for improvement. improvement. Nice. <laughs> You're listening to The John Chi Show, hosted by three Korean-American adoptees diving headfirst into what it means to be adopted, Korean, American, and more. And now, here's your hosts, Nathan, Patrick, and KJ. Welcome back to The John Chi Show. I'm one of your hosts, Patrick, here with KJ and Nathan, and we are excited to be back for another week. Another Yay. week. Of- yeah, you, you sound excited, Patrick. Do I but sound you, excited? No, I think it's because I just watched the Batman. <laughs> I just watched the Batman, and that's a uh, oh sure. You get some somberness from that movie. Mm. Yes, and I heard still, it's really serious. Still processing. It's very serious. Serious. Okay. Yeah. But it's it's not the zany Batman of the sixties, huh? It is not. Not your grandpa's Batman. It is not even the Dark Knight, which no. we've established. I've watched many times in theaters, and I would say that this movie oh, yeah. rivals that movie. Uh, <laughs> wow! In both scope and a, a lot of different things, action. It's yeah. wild. Okay. No spoilers. No spoilers <laughs> <laughs> for Patrick or for KJ and anyone else listening, right? Well, so, I've yeah. been watching Itaewon Class on Netflix, okay. which is a K drama. It is pretty good. I think it is like just bombing the Bechtel test, but otherwise, it's got some pretty progressive ideas in it. Um, so, yeah, overall, I find it really entertaining. Would recommend. Um, Can you yeah. explain for our listeners who might not know what the Bechtel test is? Is our listeners including you? <laughs> I'm pretty sure I know what it means, but oh, okay. I don't uh, want to take Bech- a stab at it and get it wrong. <laughs> the, the Bechtel test is, there's a number of of things. The one that I always think about is whether or not two main female characters talk about anything besides the main male character. Right. Um, That's what I thought. That's the one that I thought. That but might, it could be mo- other things. I think things. there's three points in it. So someone give me the other two or I'll oh, just I didn't know it encompassed later. more than just that one. Uh-huh. Okay. Yeah. So, uh, so yeah. So like the two main characters, two main female characters in Itaewon class are, they just talk about like the main guy, um, which is like, it's kind of a bummer because as characters themselves, they're really interesting, but like, yeah. why <laughs> They're why interesting pick? characters, but the only conversations they have are about with each main. other are yeah. about the main oh, character. Right, right, so it's right, not like yeah. women supporting women. It's just like, no, I'm going to whatever. It's fine. Whatever. So it's like in that way, it's kind of conservative, I guess, or like behind the times. But then like on a lot of other fronts, it's really progressive and really like challenges some ideas around um, like identity, sexual identity and those kinds of things. Uh, so overall, I think it's really interesting. Plus, either one, like the district i think is cool so it's like nice to see uh, a show that's set in that area so yeah have you guys started to watch any other korean drama shows or k-drama that's specifically on netflix that since the since squid game was such a popular one uh, have you started to watch any on netflix um i gotta i started watching one i've gotten through the pilot episode so <laughs> <Of course>. <laughs> 
Did you just uh, start oh playing? Yeah, <laughs> <Was didn't> start <laughs> play? no, I went to Netflix and I don't remember the name of it. It's the one they're like in space and it's like in the future kind of. Oh right, right. Um, I did see are they like space janitors? It has one of the guys from Squid Game in it. Oh, the yeah. Silent Sea is what it's okay. called. Oh, I'll have to put that on the thing. Yeah. I know there's a zombie one or something. All of us. All are of dead. us are dead. That one's gotten really popular. Oh yeah, yeah. I've been meaning to. Actually, I did start that. Oh, Which, did, okay. it's really interesting i will definitely watch the rest of it but yeah no i'm just it's funny how you know squid game was such a like almost like an entryway for some people into k-dramas who maybe have never saw any of the traditional style k-dramas and now they're probably binging through the netflix lists but um i have yet to really go into them but uh, i've wanted to i just haven't had the time mm. it's um, a time investment for sure yeah i mean any, it doesn't any have series, to be though I feel is. Though. What does that mean? Like, okay. Or what do you K-dramas, mean by that? Yeah, so K-dramas are actually really interesting because they break, they're like, their act breaks are really clear. And so even though the episodes are like an hour and whatever, 40 minutes, basically, it's not that long. They're like a little over an hour. Like the act breaks are clear. So you can actually really easily divide it into like mm. 20 or 30 minute chunks and feel like you watched something and like be okay with pausing there, you know? Mm. Um, okay. It's like, I don't know, it's just really easy to do that. Uh, I've watched... Startup and Eat Their One Class and Run On, which are all Netflix like series ones. I don't know, whatever. Hmm. Um, couldn't really get into Squid Game, and I don't think I'm gonna get into All of Us Are Dead just because, like, as genres, they're not things that I care for. So all sure. the popular ones I don't care for, but the other ones I like. But then one of my other friends said she doesn't like any of the ones that are like Netflix original series K dramas. So I don't even oh, know really? that you can really. Yeah. So I was like, I don't know that you can even call it the Netflix ones like. Proper K dramas. Yeah, well, they have like yeah, a huge deal with like to produce yeah. a bunch of Korean content. Right? Mm-hmm. I'm assuming it's a production company from Korea, right? Mm-hmm. I would assume. Yeah. yeah. Well, there's even. I mean, I don't know if it's a category, but you can go search Netflix for K dramas, and it'll pull up a whole list of of stuff that they recommend. So mm-hmm. that's that's new. That's what are cool. they recommending right now? Uh, other than All of Us Are Dead and Squid Game, um, popular ones, Juvenile Justice, The King's Affection, um, 2521, Crash Landing on You. Oh, yeah. And I've never really one. heard of many. That one's any got had staying power. I feel like that's one of the early ones that was on there. Love. I watched that first episode. <laughs> Do you know that like the rest of the show has like very little to do with the first episode? I know that's what you said. Well, the first time I brought this up, you're like, you know, the rest of the show doesn't really have anything to do with that first episode. I'm like, eh. I don't know if that's generally accurate or like, I don't know. I feel like the first episode is like it sets up the characters and then like jumps back into the past so they can like explain some like character development and then it jumps back ahead to the future. And you're like, all right, well, well, it doesn't in startup. They do that all in the first episode. Yes. is, in either yeah, one class, like, they do it in the first two, basically. And I'm like, oh my yeah. gosh. But I was still <laughs> interested lot. in it. That's yeah. That's a lot of character development. Yeah. No, this is browsing Netflix. This is There's a lot more than I thought there were, actually, when as I started scrolling through it. I'm like, well, this looks interesting. I have to watch a trailer <laughs> for that. I mean, they have to hook me into the trailer because, yeah. you know, I don't know. That's what we do when Emily and I are trying to find something to watch. We'll throw the trailer on and then eventually just continue to scroll. Never watch anything. Mm. Just a bunch of trailers. Well, listeners, if anyone else is watching some good K-dramas, put it in the comments. Let us know because we apparently have no clue. We'll take those wrecks. (laughs) Those parks and wrecks. Yeah. Those parks uh, and wrecks. Speaking of parks and wrecks, 
we have a really great interview today. <laughs> you know, I'm the king of segues that really don't have anything to do with segues. <laughs> that works. In Parks and Brecks, there's a lot of talking heads, and you there could are. argue that our interviews are like talking heads, except we keep our parts in. <laughs> that is true. That is true. Um, but we have fellow podcaster Shanae Randall on the show. We had a really great conversation with <laughs> Shanae. Nathan, fill yeah. the listeners in on, on what they can be expecting. Yeah, so, with a close personal friend yes. who you yeah, see all the time IRL. Established many, I remember <laughs> yeah. it's established many times that you live in very close proximity to each other. Yes, and <laughs> after we recorded last week, she did come over for a okay. uh, play date with uh, my all daughter. Right. That was classic. I know you guys were, were like, stop flexing. You live close. We get <laughs> it. I did say that a bunch. But, hey, you know, it's, you know, it's friendship fun is friendship. to hang out with fellow Korean it's fine, adoptees. It's fine that you have friends who aren't me and yeah, Patrick, okay? Us, yeah, that don't is, be jealous, guys. That's, eh, that's it okay. breaks my heart a little <laughs> okay, bit, I but I think I'm, I can get over it. I'll allow it. Okay. <laughs> but, I'll pray about it. Yes, it, we, had a, we had a good play date the next day, but um, we did discuss the interview. We had a, I think we had a great interview with her, um, just hearing about some of the things that I actually didn't know and, you know, have uh, hung out with her a few times out here. I didn't know about the the reunion about with her mother. Dude, and spoilers! So she talks about that. Um, yeah, well, I'm that was huge spoiler. It's <laughs> <laughs> like I'm not gonna tell you the thematics of the episode, but, but I will tell exactly you specific spoilers. <laughs> I'm not gonna tell you the specifics about that. What else, you know, happened? But uh, um, just the stories, uh, you know, what. Uh, you know, what helped her with her journey into a podcasting and, um, you know, what she's doing now, what she's, um, you know, surprised about as far as correlation to other, you know, Korean adoptee podcasts such as ours. Um, so yeah, we, uh, had a snack at the end. It was, uh, I think it was pretty tasty. I don't remember the rest of them. Yep. On Sunday. Okay. Wait, what was it? I don't remember. You'll find out, listen. You'll find out. I will find out along with It was only last week, but KJ has already forgotten. That was so many hours ago. KJ's got a lot of stuff going on. We all got stuff going on. (laughs) Yeah. Perfect. uh, Yeah. (laughs) We had a great interview, so, you know, let's just roll into it. All right. Roll into it. it. (laughs) Kaja. Welcome back to the John Chi Show interview. We are here and back and ready. I know. I don't know really what I'm saying here, but we do have a great interview today. Uh, we have with us Shanae Randall, fellow podcaster and local Colorado Coloradoan. <laughs> Is that the right way to say Is that? Is that it? Yeah. Colorado. I, I think so. Coloradoan. I don't live there, so I can't really say. There's a there's a newspaper, but uh, Shanae, thank you for being with us and joining us today. Yeah, thanks them. for just having me. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no, you should definitely just ignore us. We're just here. We're the eye candy of the show. <laughs> Shanae, I know that many probably already know of you and listen to your podcast, um, but with every episode, we typically start with uh, an adoption story, uh, as much and as little as you'd like to tell us. Um, I actually don't think I've heard a whole lot of it, so I'm anxious to hear it. So um, whenever you would like to start. Sure. Um, I was adopted with pretty much everybody else uh, in the 80s. <laughs> nice. <laughs> in the late 80s, oh, 89. Okay. I was like, I don't know what that means. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I was, you know, part of the big wave. Um, but I was six months old, 
and I grew up in rural upstate New York. I think Ithaca is the closest benchmark that people know since upstate seems to get a very vague interpretation. Um, but I was an only child. Um, I was adopted into a white family. Um, I'm very close with my adoptive parents. We have a really good relationship, even through kind of my coming out of the fog, jumping out of the plane, whatever we want to call it at this point. Jumping out of the plane. I got to say really quickly, I actually really like that. I think that's pretty apt. That's pretty accurate terrifying. <laughs> Maybe just it should like just be called, like, The Fall instead of The Fog. Mm. Um, new language. That's what this show does. <laughs> we find new language almost immediately every time. I love it. <laughs> but, um, yeah, so born and raised, or grew up, well, raised in upstate New York. <laughs> yep. And then I went to Massachusetts for college, decided it was way better than New York, stayed there until I got married, and then my husband and I moved to Colorado, and here we are. Um, I have since found my birth mother. I did the search in 2020, um, kind of as I think a way to feel like I had some control over something in my life at a point when I felt like I didn't have much control over anything. Um, it was like at the height of all of the, you know, racial reckoning of the country. And I was really having a difficult time engaging, with my feelings around race and engaging with activism and engaging with other people of color as a person of color. Um, so I decided that in the midst of my kind of life crisis, I would just fill out all the paperwork to search for my birth mother. And my expectation was that I could say that I did it and wipe my hands clean and be like, Oh, I did it. Nothing happened. You know, at least I went through those motions. Um, and about, Six weeks later, I think I got an email back saying, we found her, you know, here's, here's a letter. And, um, we haven't, you know, spoken in person. She doesn't speak any English. Uh, we only have sent letters back and forth. Um, her one, me too. And it was about a year between when I first sent my initial letter. And then when I sent my second letter, I just sent the second letter to her on Valentine's day. Um, and I had waited. I wasn't really sure. I think with having my daughter, I had a lot going on and didn't really want to, you know, put the effort in, I think. Um, but I did finally reach a point where I was like, well, I think I'm comfortable enough to say, you know, I, I had a child and she's your granddaughter. And it turned out that, um, so Claire's middle name, we've chosen to Ray. Um, it's a Korean Korean girl's name, and it means wings. And we had stumbled upon it because a family friend of ours is Korean, and we asked her for some Korean girls' names. Um, you know, and I kind of said we want to give her a Korean middle name. We don't want to Google search a Korean middle name and think that it means something beautiful and find out that it really means like you know dumpster. Um, <laughs> so, sure, sure. I was like, can you send me a list? Um, and we picked it and we picked it after my birth mother had sent the letter to me explaining that I had some half sisters, um, and kind of explaining that, you know, the circumstances around my adoption and relinquishment. And I, I read through it. And I think the first time that I read through it, I was looking for that like key information. Like, why did you give me up for adoption? You know, what happened? Um, and I wasn't paying attention to like, 
family names or anything like that. And when I just went to think about writing her a second letter, I went back and read her initial letter to me. And I realized that one of my sister's names is actually Naray. Um, So I don't know if it was like that I did register it subconsciously and that was why we were drawn to it or if it was just kind of one of those weird fate things. Um, But I, anyways, I told her that in the follow-up letter and let her know that I, you know, wanted to know more about how she grew up and about my um, biological grandparents and kind of that sort of thing. I think not so much for my own closure, but because I want to be able to answer those questions for Clara, you know, as we're, as she gets older and we talk more about my family in Korea and um, just to have as much information as I can give her, because I don't think personally, Nathan, I know you've met your, your birth family and you're kind of much more stably in reunion um, and have seen them in person at least. And I don't personally know if I want that. I don't know if I want to do an in-person or get to a point where, you know, I, I need to, I, I guess it sounds kind of bad, but like put in the effort to, to, you know, go to Korea to maintain that relationship. Um, but I do think, you know, as, as a kid, I can imagine that it's difficult to understand this idea of like, you have family that you're never going to meet, but they exist and they're important. And there's this lineage and heritage. So I think, you know, the more that I can tell her, at least that's what I'm hoping for. I think that's really interesting thought about, um, you know, you've, you've, you've reunited and you've had some conversations, but thinking about it as, I don't know if I want to actually a physically reunite. Like, I think maybe, like you said, when you sent that, when you first sent in the information, like, it's like, Hey, I put in, put it in. And it's like, here we go. That that's the win. And then it's like, Oh, nope. There's somebody here for me to connect with. And then you make the connection. And now you're at a point where it's like, I don't know if I want to continue further going further. And like you said, putting in the effort. And I think that really resonated with me right now because I've been having a lot of similar feelings. And while I'm not a parent yet, and I haven't really initiated a birth search, I've really been kind of walking the line between do is that something I really want to do? And then two, like, if I don't want to do it, why don't I want to do it? And I think a lot of it comes into like that effort. And that like, you know, we just talked about work life balance. I'm clearly having struggling with that. So just trying to like figure that out. And it's like, that's a huge curveball. So I think it, but I think it's really interesting to hear from your perspective as someone who has reunited, uh, albeit virtually to say, Hey, I think that's okay. If I, if this is all the further it goes, as long as I can continue to, you know, have these conversations at the pace that I want to have them with your mind on this is for Clara almost as much as it is for yourself. So I think that I think that's a really interesting perspective that I'm not sure that we've heard on the show before. So thank you for sharing that. Yeah. And I think too, you know, I think part of it maybe is just the the circumstances. Like I did send an email to the social worker knowing that we likely aren't going to Korea anytime soon. Mm-hmm. Uh, we had planned to go right before Clara was, you know, we found out Clara was alive or existing or coming, <laughs> coming, whatever. <laughs> we planned to go before I found out I was pregnant. Um, and, you know, then the pandemic happened 
But I, I did ask about Zoom, you know, in a virtual meeting. And, you know, I said, I understand it would be cumbersome because there would be a translator and all that stuff. Um, but it turns out that my birth mother doesn't have a computer and doesn't know how to use one. So I think there were some very natural barriers for why it kind of makes sense in my mind for me to not really pursue aggressively meeting in person. Sure. I think it would be different if if she spoke English, if I had siblings that spoke English, um, or if I found out that, you know, part of my biological family had immigrated to the United States, you know, if there were things that made it quote unquote like easier to facilitate, um, maybe I would feel differently or feel more pressure. But I feel like there are just some very natural reasons for why, you know, choosing to go that way and forge more of a relationship would be really difficult. Yeah, <clears throat> I have similar, I guess, hesitations at the beginning when I did do my birth search as well. I, I wanted just to do it to get, you know, medical information. I wanted to get the just a little storyline or anything I could get that I didn't have in my records. And it, it wasn't necessarily to start a physical, like family relationship with, you know, um, my biological family, because I again, I knew the the percentage was low that I would even find them. Um, and then when I did find them, you know, it was just letters. It was more just informational stuff back and forth for a while. And it wasn't for six months um, after I found out that they were um, around that they actually told me they were one of them was going to come to Los Angeles. So it was kind of at that point, my hand was forced into meeting them in person because I was like, well, uh, how can I say no at that point? I'm right here in Los Angeles. So oh my gosh, that's uh, where I live. Yeah. So. <laughs> coincidentally and again i don't know how coincidentally it was that they maybe because of the company that they were work for pushed to come to the conference because it was in la and because they knew about me i don't know i didn't get to ask that specific but so for me yeah it was more i was kind of i wouldn't say pressured into it but it was more like it fell into my lap and i had to make that decision of of well yeah let's let's meet and so I was very nervous and I didn't know what was going to come out of it. And, uh, you know, luckily it was a good meeting and everything went well. She was very pleasant and I really enjoyed uh, just the two and a half hours or so that we talked. And that really kind of just set the the groundwork for meeting the rest of the family. Um, but yeah, I, I was hesitant. I didn't know if, especially knowing that I had six siblings, I, I didn't <laughs> want to, to start a whole like family reunion with a whole nother, you know, six siblings plus their wives and spouses and, and kids. And it just, it was, it started to get overwhelming because it was about that time when um, we were getting ready to have our first as well. So it was like the year before we had Kelvin actually. Well, it completely uh, alters your life, you know, yeah. like it has to be like a completely life altering thing, whether you even meet them in person or not, you know, it's just like the information. Like if, even if you initiate that search, like this is my thing, like I initiate that search and find out that they've both passed away or whatever, some horrible fate befalls them. Like that's altering my life completely too, because it's like, there's a little bit of closure in there, but really those questions remain unanswered forever. And it's like, well, maybe I'm okay with that being unanswered and getting no information going forward, you know, because it is such a, uh, huge, huge thing to happen in your life. And I think a lot of people outside of adoption don't understand you know, what, what kind of emotional and mental labor goes into trying to do something like a reunion or e executing a birth search. So yeah, I totally mm -hmm. make sense. You know, and I yeah. realize, um, I've, I probably have thought about it like this for a long time, but, um, having, 
being adopted and having a birth family that you know nothing about is like having your own personal ghost. Um, and they're, regardless of what type of fantasy you like to watch, and so whether whether ghosts um, can continue to grow or if they're frozen in time around the time that they died or, you know, whatever, like there is a thing where, you know, maybe you're the only person who knows about them or uh maybe you and a group of other people are the only ones who are privy to their existence in the way that they just kind of haunt you but it is like having your own ghost and then when you initiate that birth search it's probably about as hard as trying to raise someone from the dead um in terms of i don't know emotional labor that isn't really anything except it's just always there and you know all of that kind of stuff and yeah so i understand being like oh you when you when you have the fortune to be in reunion, you're like, oh, you were once a ghost and now you're alive. And now all the ways that I used to think about you have all this extra weight, like Christmas just got a lot harder. And now I have to remember more birthdays. And then also there's translation and, you know, all that kind of stuff. So, yeah, I don't know. I was just, just thinking about that. I was like, wow, that must be a lot of what it's like. And I think I have been living with ghosts for a long time. So... And I commend you, though, Shanae, for taking it at your own pace, too. And and I think that is something that I think a lot of people um, probably resonate with, is that if they do connect, they, they don't want to just rush into it and send 50 letters in a month. They they want to, you know, once every few months or so, or, you know, a few years, it's just kind of a, a slow process. And I think everyone takes it at their own speed. And I think that's, that's smart. Mm-hmm. Um but, well, uh, I think that's what's really interesting, too. Is, well, maybe not necessarily interesting, but I think it makes a lot of sense because when I first connected with you on Instagram, I think you were right at that point where I think you had just announced your pregnancy and you were getting ready to move to Boulder. Is that right? Was that around that same time or had you already been in Boulder? I can't really remember exactly what was happening at that time. Yeah, we moved to Boulder in 20 or we moved to Colorado in 2019 and then we had Claire in 2021. So end of end of 2020, I think, was when we found out or like September 2020 is when we found out we were pregnant. Okay, Um, and yeah, so I think it's like I think what's amazing about it is um, like Nathan said, you know, you're able to go at your own pace and set kind of these boundaries for yourself because you had a ton of stuff going on at the same time that like this reunion now falls into your lap. It's like oh, not only am I going to be a mom now, but now I'm finding another mom, my other mom, mm-hmm. my first mom that I was just like, I was like, everybody's got letters moms. into you the get nebulous a mom. thinking. You get a mom. <laughs> you get a mom. And you get a mom. And it's like, what is happening right now? But I think that, you know, you talked in your in your guest forum about the resiliency that you, that it's kind of exuded out of your, out of your own journey. And I think that is a, a really good example of that in the fact that like i can't say that when i when i've when if i ever entered into reunion that i would not maybe it would not maybe be a detriment to the rest of my life because i would not i would have a hard time putting the boundary up it's like okay i gotta get these answers now i gotta send the letter now why haven't i got a response to my email now um not really thinking and you know it's like because i center my i'm like in that moment, I can see myself centering myself, um, not really thinking about, oh, how is how are they reacting to all of my messages? And I'm staring there like, you leave me on read? What's going on here? Um, <laughs> so I like, yeah, uh, additionally commend you. And I wanted to ask a little bit about that resiliency that you've kind of 
had to build up and how I was wondering, you know, you talked about struggling with your mental health as it relates specifically to your adoption. I was wondering how that struggle has informed those boundaries and how they have kind of shifted and molded as new things have started to happen in your life. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I mean, I think, you know, it's funny because even now thinking about it, I filled out that form so long ago, like <laughs> that even now I feel like my perspective has probably shifted a little bit. Like I know that at the time when I filled out that form, when I was talking about resiliency, you know, it definitely was resiliency, but I think I was still in a place where I thought of things, you know, the idea of like pulling yourself up by your bootstraps Mm. and, you know, you have all this crap happen and you just keep going or you find a way, you know, you don't like fall apart. You kind of keep, keep everything afloat and, and thinking that that was a, a good thing, I guess. And not necessarily to say that it's a bad thing, but I think more now I've started to have a shift on in perspective in regards to the fact that, you know, but why, why do we need to be so resilient? Like, why is that, you know, we kind of wear the resiliency like a badge of honor, but it's almost like a self-preservation thing, right? Because it keeps Mm -hmm. you from saying, you know, these people, these systems, these circumstances, society have, you know, wronged us or put us in these positions or whatever. And yet still we rise. Right. But instead of actually kind of going after and lamenting about the things that are, are wrong, right. Where you like pat ourselves on the back and we're like, Oh, but we got through it. Like we pulled ourselves up and we're stronger. And I think it's, it's, you know, a self self preservation thing. And I don't necessarily think that that's bad either. Um, But I think in my own journey, you know, the resiliency definitely stemmed from the fact that, you know, I didn't just kind of wallow in, in the victimhood, I think of being an adoptee. Like I definitely, you know, I talk about it a lot. I blog about it a lot, but in the day-to-day life, you know, I really don't kind of play that card very much. Um, And I think whether that's like a conscious or a subconscious choice, um, I've always kind of just been maybe too good at looking at kind of, you know, all right, well, this is how I feel and this is really bothering me or this happened and it's terrible, but like X, Y, and Z still need to get done. And, and I think even to your point, Patrick, about putting up the boundaries regarding the pace of my, you know, birth mother search and family reunion, I think, and Nathan, you can probably attest to this, uh, being a parent <laughs> really kicks you in the butt in terms <laughs> of making sure that you have boundaries. Like I think had I not been pregnant and not been expecting my first child, I would have been like you, Patrick. I probably would have been sending a million letters. It would have been sure. my main focus. Um, but man, nothing steers and directs the ship like having children, (laughs) (laughs) you, you know, you are not in control. So I think that was a really great, uh, distraction in a way from having me kind of obsess over that. Um, but I think going back to resiliency, you know, my birth mom in her letter to me had, you know, reading her story, she talked about how she was, she was married to somebody or in a relationship when she was young, um, who was not my birth father. 
She had had two pregnancies before me. Um, and the first one, she ended up leaving uh, because the relationship wasn't good. She had a son um, and she had left him with his father. And then I think she maybe had a miscarriage with the second child. It was a little unclear with the translation. Um, but she married my or got with my father because she had seen his children. He had two daughters and a son. Um, and she basically felt bad for the children. She had said in her letter that, you know, she hoped that by being, you know, involved with that family and helping raise them, um, because he was abusive to my two half sisters, um, that she, you know, could help them. And she mentioned stepping in and helping them kind of is like a penance for leaving her son behind in the previous relationship. She said, if I took care of these children, I hoped that it meant that somebody was taking care of my son um, the same mm. way. And my father was abusive to her. Um, so I guess my older sisters had said that she needed to leave uh, when they found out that she was pregnant with me, but she wouldn't leave unless they left. So they left first. Um, she left after and then had me um, in like a battered women's shelter um, and it seems like there was maybe some coercion that went on while she was there, you know, like you can stay, we can give you these services, but like, you need to put your mm -hmm. child up for adoption. It'll give you a better life, yada, yada. Um, but then she, you know, went on to have a couple more relationships with people and she had three more, um, girls between two different men. She's happily married now. Um, but she also struggled with depression, with alcoholism. Mm -hmm. My half-sisters also suffer from depression and anxiety. Um, and I was surprised that she very openly had said, you know, that they were on medication, they were going to therapy, but, you know, now they weren't. Um, I really wasn't expecting that. But reading her story, I think, resonated with me so much because the focus was on doing things for other people, like the idea of, like, helping other people you know, my life can be falling apart, but I'm going to make sure that like everybody else is okay. And that's very much, um, especially at the time, how my own personal story had kind of gone that like my whole personal life could have been falling apart, but like, as long as my students were okay and my lessons were good, you know, and I think Patrick, you said Emily's in teaching. Oh yeah. Um, Yes. So I'm sure I, you hear a lot of that. Yeah. <laughs> <clears throat> we, she could be swept up in a tornado on Monday and be in class with a whole lesson prepared on Tuesday. Yes. <laughs> like, yeah. I'm like, hey, you can take a break. You just got swept up by a tornado. Nope. Yeah. She's and it's like, no, 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 no. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, so definitely. I mean, I think that's the kind of resiliency that um, has resonated with with my journey so far. That's great. So, um, with the follow-up on all the, the, the birth searching and the moving to Colorado and having Clara, uh, at what point did you decide to start, um, a podcast? And at what point was this part of your journey from that? Did that like kind of inspire you to start the podcast? How did that all come about? It kind of, I think like everything else related to my adoption fell out of the sky. <laughs> um, <laughs> there it is, that fall. <laughs> yeah. Like I had, when I moved, 
Um, I had left teaching because my my bargaining chip in the move was I'll I'll move with you to Colorado, but I want a year to like figure my shit out, see if I want to keep teaching, you know, see what life looks like in Colorado. And um, I needed to process because I had a really hard time disentangling myself from my job. I identified with my job. I like was a teacher through and through. So like choosing to lose that piece, Mm. I felt like a quitter. I felt like I made the wrong decision. I, you know, really was just all the self-loathing. So I decided to start a blog and wrote a blog called A Life of Letters, which was basically me writing a letter to every not every, but a lot of the instances of racism and microaggressions that I experienced growing up um, and into adulthood that far. Um, And I had taken a picture and posted it on my new Instagram account to go with the blog. um, And Benny saw it. So he like non shadily slid into my DMs and was like, <laughs> it was very normal. It was fine. <laughs> he did it like a normal person. <laughs> right. And he was like, Hey, I am in Denver. Like I'm also an adoptee. Like I just am kind of starting this journey. I found you through like a hashtag that you use. I didn't even know how hashtags worked at the point. Like at that point I was like, I'm just going to throw these words next to like the number sign. Um, and <laughs> I thought it was still called a pound sign. And pound sign. My, my pound signs were very different. Yeah, it was pure like, like no pun intended, but like building the plane as you're flying. Yeah. Um, and he was like, hey, we should meet. So, or like, can we, can we like FaceTime or something like that? Again, non-shadily. Um, <laughs> so, very normal, not creepy. Chaotic, just, hey, non-shady, we, non-shady behavior. Can we meet? In- <laughs> right. Like it was very clear that I was happily married at the time. Like he was, he was, you know, above board. I need to see um, your face though. <laughs> <laughs> um, but I was like, sure. So we uh, FaceTimed and, you know, he kind of told me a little bit about his background growing up in Wisconsin and his family. And then we, at some point had said like, Hey, I haven't really talked to any other adoptee as an adult. Like that was the first, we were each other's kind of first adult CAD um, experience. Cause like, I think he had encountered a couple growing up. I was in like a play group for Korean adoptee kids when I was, you know, in elementary school. But aside from that, I hadn't really had any contact with anybody um, and we were like, oh, this is so great. And we didn't know that there was, you know, like the Korean adoptees of Colorado. We didn't know really about like heritage camps or con and, and all that. So we we're like, oh, wouldn't this be great if we could get more Korean adoptees together again, not knowing that these things existed. Um, <laughs> and so we met in person and initially we thought about doing like a meetup group loftily. We were talking about like a nonprofit Um, and then the pandemic happened and we were like, well, what's a project that we could do that's low hanging fruit, low cost, low commitment. And that, you know, candidly, if it doesn't go well, nobody really has to know about. (laughs) Um, (laughs) (laughs) So we just kind of we're like, what about a podcast? Like we can try to record a couple episodes at the time. We thought maybe we would do five 20 minute episodes and just talk about adoptee stuff, see how it went. Um, 
didn't know that the John Chi show existed either. <laughs> I mean, to be fair, we're, well, we weren't the only first, like yeah. a couple of months your seniors. So yeah. Yeah. I was going to say, I don't think we were that much earlier. Yeah. But like, we didn't know that the John Chi show existed until after we had already asked Patrick to be on our podcast. Like we were so late to the game. <laughs> Cause like I had known Patrick, but like I didn't make, the connection yeah um, i don't do a good job promoting our show so yeah. literally <laughs> never <laughs> yeah i was gonna say it's zero yeah i very shadily and will walk behind patrick and be like he's part of the john g show please please check it <laughs> they out they will ask me did you promote the show on whatever you just did nope oh no right. i forgot this thing that i person. do literally every week <laughs> we almost bought shirts that had an arrow that said we're with patrick because <laughs> <laughs> they might forget <laughs> anyways had you heard of any other podcast though uh, other than i mean john chi show you know <laughs> other than well, the yeah. famous the john, john chi show. show but no have you heard of anything other other had you at that time right? yes at that yeah. time yeah i mean i had come across like adopted feels and the adapted podcast um mm-hmm. but i think i hadn't really listened to them too much because i was kind of just coming to the place of really wanting to engage with the whole adoption piece, at least in that way, um, on my own terms. So yeah, we went for it. And then, you know, lo and behold, we're still here. Um, <laughs> Three seasons and a new, and a, and and a, a new host. And a new host. Yeah. yeah. It's awesome. Yeah. Next season you'll have four hosts. <laughs> oh, Wait, spoilers. No kidding. <laughs> Nathan's like, I'm jumping ship. You guys. Yeah, ship. Nathan yeah, is, wow, the Junchi okay, show is exactly. losing a feastie boy. <laughs> yeah. KJ's already quit like 10 episodes ago to start That's another true. show. And I then have, now Nathan's yeah. leaving. Great. I really am the dictator. <laughs> yep. Yeah. But I think, you know, I didn't, the weird thing and Patrick and, you know, I'm sure the three of you can attest to this too. Like the adoptee, particularly the Korean adoptee, uh, social media space is like a a living organism in and of itself. Right. And I think it definitely has been interesting to, you know, I, I set out to blog just because I was, it was for me, you know, Mm -hmm. I'm like, Mm -hmm. I'm just going to write. And I didn't think anyone would read it. I didn't think it would go anywhere. That was never the intention. It still isn't the intent. Um, and then, it was like, oh, people are reading it. And oh, now people are wondering what I think. And oh, suddenly you're like this weird, like, like adoptee influencer, which like doesn't like shouldn't even be a thing, you know, like, and (laughs) (laughs) says the dude who posts the most of the three of us. Okay. But I'm not trying to influence anyone. I know. I don't like that. I've never heard Patrick himself an influencer. It's a weird, I don't know. As someone who is adjacent to, um, some quote-unquote adoptee influencers. Maybe maybe the term is like thought leaders because we, besides the world of academia, and not to discredit or downplay what academics do, but there is a type of barrier with like academic research and the way that academics speak and the way, I mean, the way that their, the, their world needs them to speak and be, right? Um, and so I think there is like, there's kind of a necessary like, hey, can you bring it down to like fifth grade level and then talk to me like that, you know? And so I think that that's what's interesting about the social media space and maybe what what you feel as, you know, quote unquote, influencing um, or as an influencer, because that's like kind of the only language we have. I think it is in some way like we need 
our own subculture um and with its own with our own subculture comes our own sub celebrities <laughs> like you know what i mean like that there is like a there are these people that we need to like we need to have rallying posts and places to make a stand at because they are places to find ourselves and they're places to and i think that's what's so special about having the Chi show and having soul conversations and having like whether it's podcasts or bloggers or instagrammers you know whatever type of content creators content creators are the not academic but still important um signposts for people to rally around and we find uh, community around those things. We find language in those things. We find support and relationship in those things. So, yeah, I don't know. I, I, I think there was a question originally, but I don't know the question <laughs> anymore. It's fine. Well, like Shanae said, you know, I think the Korean adoptee space specifically, not even the broader adoptee space community, but the Korean adoptee space com- specifically can be really volatile. And like you said, it's a living organism because there are all different parts and places that you can find yourself in within the community and you can get really sucked in. And when you get sucked in, it can really feel like this is what the community is when it's not, there's, there's so many other parts. There's so many other pieces to it. And I think it can be really difficult to find your way out of that after you've gotten into one of those spots and in the adoptee community, like once you get, I think once you feel like a sense of ostracism, ostracism, once you, you feel like it. you've been ostriches, yeah. you, you can feel do like it. You've maybe been ostracized. Once you found from, your ostrich. <laughs> once you feel like you've maybe been ostracized from a particular group or part of the community that you felt that you were a part of, you know, it can feel like a secondary rejection or another rejection, and it can be really hard to get back into it. And so I say all of that to get to a question. Um, nice. Specifically, uh, how I was wondering, Shanae, how you when you were blogging and and you're talking about adoption and your experience, it's really about, you know, personally for you. And I think, especially in the last year, you've put out some really incredible content. Um, And I was wondering how you kind of really found yourself making that turn to take your personal experience and share a little bit more openly in a ways that are maybe a little bit more resonant, kind of like a teaching concept um, on top of balancing a reunion and walking through and becoming a mother and then walking through those early stages of motherhood. How did that all kind of ba- or how were you balancing all of those things in, in addition to stepping into taking a bigger role or a bit more yeah, visible role Patrick's in the adopting community? He needs help here. Well, she already <laughs> yeah. said she, she says it was like jumping out of a plane. <laughs> <Right>? That's <laughs> true. Yeah. The fall. Yeah. I mean, I think I'm going to be honest. Like I, especially in the last couple of months, really since Nam, um, it was, you know, I have really been trying to think more about the fact that it's it's a marathon and not a sprint. Um, I really struggled candidly after posting for the month of Nam. Um, I had, you know, seen seen the murmurings of it, and I I. The way I've always done my social media, I think because it's always just been so personal for me, like I don't post unless I have something that I want to say. Like I generally don't, I hate the idea of like posting because you feel like you need to post or whatever. And I think that's where I've had a little bit of dissonance because, you know, that's why I had said the like the term influencer, like it got to the point where 
you know, I felt like, should I be posting? Should I be saying something? Should I be resharing this? Like, cause I feel like now people are looking at me and they're like, you know, retagging me on stuff. And like, but I was like, but I, I don't want to, like, I'm not comfortable. I've been pretty quiet on social media aside from posting things of like Clara, um, partially because I, she's very into the phones. Um, my husband <laughs> is on his phone a lot for work and I'm like, I don't want you to go to kindergarten and draw a picture of mom and have it be mom, like staring at her phone. Um, (laughs) (laughs) so I've been really trying to, you know, put it down during the day, but also, you know, I started to get in that spiral of, you know, do I, do I need to put out a carousel about black history month? I don't feel personally equipped to put out a carousel of information about Black History Month. Like I am not an expert. I am not comfortable just doing, you know, a five minute research dive on the internet and putting together some slides. And, you know, I'm all about resharing something that somebody else posts who I do know is an expert. I mean, I also love Hannah Jackson Matthews. Her content is stellar. But even with that, I think just from teaching and just the way that I am as a person, like I don't generally reshare something unless I've personally read all of it fact checked it, make sure that I can back it up. If someone says, you know, why did you share this? Or if somebody calls me to the carpet, if there's an error in something that I reshared, like I need to be able to explain and feel good about my explanation. Um, and that, you know, from, if you're thinking about, oh, I've got to be putting out stuff all the time. I've got to be constantly present and constantly resharing. Like that really slows you down. If that's your, if that's your metric. Um, you know, but there are times that I worry that people are going to be like, oh, you know, she calls herself a person of color, but she hasn't talked about Black History Month. She hasn't talked about, you know, shared anything about trans kids or she hasn't shared anything about Russia. So like she must not care. She only posts Korean adoptee things like those thoughts are swirling in my head all the time about, you know, am, am I doing the right thing? Am I not doing the right thing? Like, should I be worrying about this? Probably not. But I am, you know, it's and so it goes. Um, but I really have been trying to think about, you know, if I'm going to do this and be involved in the adoptee community and do work with, with CADs, with adoptive parents, you know, what are the ways that I can do it authentically and sustainably? And I think for me, you know, Instagram is not that space, you know, Instagram Mm -hmm. could, could go away tomorrow and then, and then what, you know? So I've really been trying to focus on things like, the podcast, um, reaching out to different adoption organizations. I had gotten um, approached by an organization called Adopt Together, and they are like the largest crowdfunding adoption um, organization. And at first, when they had asked me to participate in sending a reel, they said, we're doing a feature in March about adoptee voices. And, you know, would you mind putting something together? I initially was kind of like, because I saw the word crowdfunding adoption when I looked at, you know, <laughs> at that. And I, I have, you know, personally, candidly, like, that doesn't make me feel great. Um, but then when I got thinking about it, I was like, you know, there are there things about their messaging? Are there things about maybe their their promotion or advertising or intent that I don't agree with? Absolutely. But they are making the effort to, you know, have adoptee voices. I included with my email, like, yes, I'll do this. You know, if you want to have a fleshed out panel, that would be, I would be happy to participate. If you would like somebody to organize, I would be happy to do that, you know, because I realized that, and it might be an unpopular opinion, but like adoption isn't going away. 
And I think the best that we can do is try to improve adoption, especially transracial adoption. Um, And, you know, and at the same time, we're not going to get anywhere if we reinforce the stereotypes of like the angry adoptees, right? Like you got to not compromise, but you need to kind of work within the margins, I think, and then slowly start to, to change. And, and, you know, if, if they're going to crowdfund, then maybe it's about a conversation about saying like, Hey, your whole platform is crowdfunding and crowdsourcing, but like, let's talk about it. Can we maybe, can you also include things that like your crowdfunding isn't just to bring the children to these families, but it's for counseling. It's for making sure there's a mentor program. It's for making sure that they, you know, can help pay for travel to festivals that represent these kids' heritages. Like if you're, you know, you don't have to change fundamentally what you do, but you can change what it goes towards and how you allocate those resources. Because I mean, if we're being honest, like the agencies hold all the power in this, Mm -hmm. right? Like it's our voices, but it's their, it's their pockets. Um, So things like that, I have been trying to get involved with the local agency, like Asian Girls Ignite. They're right in Denver um, and doing volunteering with that. It's a great organization for Clara to grow up around if we stay in Colorado, Um, obviously the podcast and things like that. So I'm trying to, you know, disentangle a little bit from the social media and reinvest my time and things that, you know, more organically fit into my life um, and that are a little bit more sustainable uh, long-term. I was so struck by um, what you said about like, you know, if we're going to crowdfund adoption or we're going to, you know, crowdsource all these things and like, let's be holistic about it. It reminded me of one of those, an Instagram post I saw that was like, if you're going to be, you know, pro-life, then you should also be pro all of these other things that support everything else that comes with, you know, um, having a baby and all the reasons that like, I don't know. I've just that level of intersectionality and that level of systemic holistic thinking is something that's really been impressed on me. Sarah and I were just recently talking about um, all of the orphans that are going to come out of Ukraine and all of the all of the kids who lose their family and support systems and and all those things. I mean, people obviously, but especially um, kids and what that means for adoption globally and broadly and all those things and so she was just like hey how do you feel about this and i was like i mean to your point i was like i don't know i don't know that it's great and probably i'd love for international adoption not to happen but for that level of abolition to occur really like i should be working at the greater systems that cause you know international adoption to even be necessary you know because if we just take away adoption then we're still left with all the things that cause it and then we have more problems you know um so yeah it's just it's such a weird thing and i i yeah i think it's so good and right to be thinking about what can i do sustainably uh and what can i do that's going to make you know long-term impact and how can i support things other than just like being on social media and writing writing my my feelings or my thoughts or whatever and, and firing them off and just being there and i think that that level of, uh, you know, needing the platform to have a voice that is heard, but then also making sure that the voice that is heard is really worthy of having the, you know, like that kind of balancing act is tough. So, uh, I'll have to say Ophelia and best of luck navigating that. (laughs) Um, I did want to ask, um, 
about of all of these things, all of these new things that you're getting involved in and and doing to kind of take you away from that space. There's another thing that you had recently helped launch, I believe, which was the mom group for transracial adoptees. Oh, yeah. I was wondering if you could talk a little bit about what that is uh, and how that's been going, um, because it's like another thing that has a social component to it. But I feel like there is stuff happening away from the social media space. So I'm interested to hear how that's been going. Yeah, so I was so the account is uh, at TRA Mom Confessions, and it came out because I was talking to Mila Konomis, and we were just kind of going back and forth about some things that had happened it in each of our respective lives regarding our kids, and I can't remember who said it, but I was like, there. Oh, I guess I said it. I was like, I wish that there was a group for. TRA parents or, you know, for CAD moms. Cause I said, they're just things that people don't get. You know, I think just like with being an adoptee, there are things that people don't get. And then you talk to someone who is an adoptee and it's like, oh yeah, this makes perfect sense. And, um, and all that. And she said, yeah. And I had said, if I, if I had more time, right. Famous last words, if I had more time, I would start one, but like, I don't really have the bandwidth right now. And then she was like, oh, I would do it. Like, I would help. I would do it with you. So then, of course, I was like, sure, let's do this. <laughs> um, and it started just kind of, you know, posting some of my thoughts about parenting or things that I was struggling with. And and I guess kind of similar to the blog, just very personally angled. Um, but then we really wanted to do a meeting component. Um, so we do a virtual meeting once a month. It's not exclusively for CADs. I will say that so far, most of the people who have come are CADs. I think it's just because there are a lot of us, uh, but we're working on really kind of getting some more diversity as far as it really being like a true TRA parent group. Um, and for people who identify as femmes or moms, um, and you know, it's been really nice. We meet once a month in zoom for about an hour uh, we usually do like a check-in. This most recent time we had some breakout groups because people had voiced some, there were some common themes showing up and things that people were having a hard time with or wanting to talk about that didn't necessarily apply to the whole group, you know, because even though we're all adoptees, like it doesn't mean that we're going through the same stuff. So we did do some breakout groups. I think we'll be in a big group for uh, March, um, but it's been really nice. And as far as the social media piece, you know, I now that it's been going a little bit, reached out to the group of people who had been consistently kind of coming to some of the meetings and said, like, I need some help. <laughs> uh, we don't need to post a lot, but I just, you know, the page is there more so people know that it exists, but I'd rather that people come to the meetings instead of, you know, be just on the Instagram account. So there are uh, four other TRA parents who are helping post nice. just like once every couple weeks and we have a nice rotation going. So it's very minimal, um, in that regard. Uh, but it's been a really nice container, I think, just to have people come together and talk about the nuances of, you know, of being a parent and whether it means that you're having biological children, going through surrogacy, adopting, you know, that doesn't matter. But I think just, you know, how do you raise kids when you, don't know your family history, you're dealing with your own mortality, you know, all that kind of stuff. Um, still not a lot of racial mirrors for your kids, potentially, you know, all that kind of stuff. Yeah, I really appreciated coming on your your podcast, actually, uh, talking about parenthood and talking about the, um, as an adoptee, thinking about adopting or not adopting and stuff like that. So 
um, for anybody uh, who's interested in that. That was uh, your season three, episode five. You just plug her. I just plugged her. <laughs> yeah, I know. I plugged her podcast with my episode just for reference. Amazing. Sheesh. Incredible. <laughs> but I did have a question as a follow-up other than the plug. Um, the The question was specifically about one of the things that we did talk about was community and kind of Patrick jumped into that with your um, your mom's group. You've talked about community in general, how how beneficial the different types of communities are out there and how many there are out there. There's a community for everything. Um, I mean, we've been doing the CAD community. I'm sure there's, you know, we're all part of the same ones that we see online. Um, and you even started the one here in Denver, the Denver Boulder CAD community, which, um, you know, that we that's where, where I actually first met you in person was at that, uh, that event. So that was great. Um, what other, about community, what other things, if maybe it's only the, this new TRA um, a moms group that you've started, are there other senses of community that you are starting or uh, creating or looking forward to uh, participating in more in the future or that you would recommend to other CADs uh, out there? Uh, I'm personally definitely not starting anymore. But I'm really looking forward to con. I'm super excited. I realized I had the epiphany when I was driving today that it's going to be the first time that I've been in a majority CAD space. Like I feel like, you know, I don't often find myself in a a majority of Asian people in general, you know, aside from when we, you know, go to Thailand or we travel or something like that. Um, cause you know, Denver's not super <laughs> diverse in general in in the Asian respect, um, at least not where we are in Weld County. Um, but I am really looking forward to con and I think, you know, even online, it's interesting because Hannah, had Hannah Lee had messaged me and she said, I'm so excited to meet you in person at con and, and that epiphany too, the idea that you have all of these relationships now that have formed, I think, as you guys know, from podcast yeah. guests and things like that. And you like all of it has been virtual for the most part. I mean, Patrick, I know you do meetups in Indiana, um, in Indiana and like a lot of people have, you guys went out to LA, you know, so you've seen more people in person. Um, but this idea that you have, you know, these friends and these relationships that really, I think escalate pretty quickly because of the shared adoptee experience. Um, and you've never met them. Like you've never met (laughs) in person. Um, yeah. Being at a place like con or the, uh, the John Chi live show in LA, like when you're in a room full of ghost seers, it is amazing because (laughs) there's no more translation. There's no more filters. There's no more, like you just like, you can start a sentence and like, half the room can finish it for you because like they're just like you get it everybody gets it and that's like there's this mental weight that is um amazing to not have for a minute Mm -hmm. um and i think that's why meeting with other adoptees and especially other korean adoptees can be so powerful is because suddenly it's like these weights that you didn't know that you carried are lifted uh because you can feel them like lift off yeah exactly it's a really powerful um powerful thing so uh yeah yeah definitely looking forward to con like you said all the people that we've only connected with virtually 
Mm-hmm. And the more we talk about it, the more we're going to give Patrick FOMO. So we really, yeah, I was uh, like, the things they've been putting out, and then I see everyone like, who's going? Who's going? And I get I'm to like, see this person and this person. And Patrick's going to see the photo. FOMO. Yeah, if, so you be better. You got to FaceTime me and literally FaceTime carry me around fa- via FaceTime <laughs> during the entire conference. Hi, Bring nice to meet you. Would you like to chargers. meet Patrick on my yeah. phone? Yeah. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> I'm here. I'm here. <laughs> I'm sure Emily's gonna love that. You're gonna be on your honeymoon, and he's gonna be yeah. like FaceTiming you all the time. <laughs> oh, I w- might not come back from the honeymoon if I do that. So I was gonna say you might not be married anymore. <laughs> yeah, that might be a, that might be a problem causer. So, um, well, oh, you got something, Nathan? No, I was gonna jump into food if that's uh. Unless well, you guys freaking have jump into it then. Let's let's roll into some food here in a second. We'll be right back. Okay, great. <laughs> <laughs> Welcome back to the John Chi Show food, food portion. portion. Food portion. I missed food. it. Food. The foodie portion. <laughs> nice. Uh, food. Just had a great interview with Shanae Randall. Thank you so much for, for everything that you shared. And uh, so happy that you are local and we can keep hanging out. So that we can we're continue. Flex, we're not recording. Local, sorry, sorry. <laughs> we can have some more food. Some right. Korean food soon. All but right. How about... How about the food we're eating now? Um, Pai Tai. <laughs> have you guys? Have you guys? Did you find it? Okay. Uh, this has it. a bunch of Japanese on it, so I actually can't read any of it. Oh, interesting. That's all right. Nathan just figured out after he told me this was the snack that it had almonds and peanut butter, and he's like, "Oh, by the way, I hope you're not allergic." I'm like, <laughs> 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 and that's by why it says allergens contained because I was going to give it to my kids too. So. Yeah, um, but uh, yeah, it, you're right. This is actually written in. Actually, there's also French Thai. Oh, really? On the side of the box. Okay, but how do you know oh, it's yeah. Thai and not like Cambodian? Oh yeah, that's true. I don't. Yeah, know the Nathan. Difference. I'm just saying. I've been to Thailand. I've been to Thailand. How do you yeah. know the difference? Because it looks like Thai. You just look like, you like know Thai. That this looks like Japanese. <laughs> wow, well, I don't know about that. We gotta I cut got that him. Out. <laughs> we gotta cut that. Uh, this is this that, is the hill that, that I will die on. Nathan looks like Thai. <laughs> <laughs> uh, looks like my, Thai from Digimon. My <laughs> deep, deep, deep cut. <laughs> my package is like my, whatever that was supposed to be in here. It's obliterated. So I'm just oh, gonna, really? yeah, yeah I'm this just one for sure crumbles. Open it okay. over a yeah. bowl while you talk about what this it's one. To a little be. bit more solid. Well, it is, uh, what we're eating is an almond cracker. I, I don't know how, what else to say about it other than it's a little square saltine cracker looking thing that's got almonds Smells in like it. a saltine cracker. It does. From it what has I can like smell the... out of my butt. Thing. <laughs> it has the, uh, flavor pairings, tips for doubling taste on the package. Apparently you can have it with wine Ooh. or it says mozzarella cheese and tomato are the perfect companions. Hmm. Challenge right. accepted. Cheese and tomato. I can't even get it out of the package because I'm worried it's going to go everywhere. Yeah, they're definitely. All right, this is pretty intact. This is pretty intact. Yours is good. Okay. All right, I guess. All right, so there's atrocious. big pieces of sliced almonds <laughs> in it. <laughs> it's just just crumbs. Nathan just when he's putting our boxes together, he just. Lines the boxes up twenty feet away and goes, "Here we go." He just chucks them. <laughs> just chucks he just chucks them. But then he this puts crunchy? the padding in, 
so that <laughs> yeah. it's like it's that, quote unquote well packaged but that like, may or happened. may not have been the box uh, my kids jumped all over no kidding I didn't. <laughs> he's but, like i don't know what happened um well softly. i always worry because when i send you guys snacks from here the altitude so so much higher that mm. the packaging is very like full but by the time it gets to you all the uh the air has uh deflated some so you gotta ship that grab by ground dude i I no, it's still it's the altitude. <laughs> it oh, move. the altitude of the <laughs> physical place that you're in. Yeah. I thought you meant the plane that it was on. I'm like, why remember how he lives near the Mile air? High City? <laughs> I get it. I get it. So, I didn't get but, it, but I get it now. Yeah. Um, oh, I haven't even tried it this yet. It's actually I actually expected it to be sweet, kind of like a sweet almond you cracker, like an sweet? almond yeah. cookie. I don't think it's, it's that a sweet. sweet. It's I like a tad sweet, but I think it's pretty sweet. This is fairly it's sweet. Very flaky though. Like mm-hmm. it's like a sweet saltine with less, hmm. less making my mouth dry. I guess it's yeah. I think of it as like a, an extra crumbly graham cracker. Mm-hmm. That's okay. maybe just that a touch less like. sweet. Yep. Hmm. I don't know. This is really sweet. It's good. Not like overpowering sweet too, but like for a cracker, it's like got some of the same butteriness as like maybe a rich cracker. Yeah, Ooh, it's yeah. extra crumbly. It's definitely you know? more buttery definitely. than almondy. Mm-hmm. Almondy Ritz are like the then <laughs> the green box of club crackers, like those longer, like rectangular I know ones. What you're talking about? Oh yeah. yeah, like the Keebler Elf ones. Yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> I like it. I'm enjoying my crumbs. Good. Yeah, <clears throat> you should have gotten a spoon. Or oh, I know. You Go get like a scoop of ice crunch. cream. Put them. Put that all well, over. Well, you the think I got ice cream, ice cream in my house? Do you not? No. It's what? all like macro friendly ice cream, which I can't waste because Sarah probably needs it for some dessert at some point. So, and I'm also uh, drinking maku. So, <laughs> I thought you were drinking maku. Man, right. I'm super Maybe jealous. That's all the, turned where did you get that there. from? <laughs> did I just sell it in H Mart now or something? No, this is still left over from the the shipment that we got last time. This is the last one. Oh, oh so. yeah, that's right. You're not okay. Yep. Yeah, yeah, Literally yeah. Literally, first month that we did the show. <laughs> <laughs> no, I'm just kidding. <laughs> like that's a long time ago. I don't think it has an expiration date. Yeah, does alcohol expire? I don't think it does. Oh, oh actually, it does. Um, it expired last year, 2021. Wow, <laughs> that's just oh, a still taste good. Whatever. I'm still good. If you see me fall down, then call someone. Called fermentation <laughs> when you just let it go. Yeah, it's just it's just more it's higher just alcohol extra. content now. So, mm-hmm. but uh, well, yeah, yeah, and these you're are high pretty up tasty too, for the altitude yeah. that we established uh, that you live on. I don't have much to say about these. Um, let's go into ratings. Shanae, what do you think? I don't know. What's your rating scale? Uh, one to five. One to five, stars. whatever you want to rate. Whatever you want <laughs> yeah. it to be. One to five. Four. four. All right. Not bad. Like, pretty neutral. Pretty good. Yeah. I don't you, know if wait, I would four keep them with mozzarella and, and tomato, though. <laughs> I thought the same thing. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Oh, the strawberry uh, or grape jam would be a good uh, make it a little uh, sandwich. Mm-hmm. Be pretty tasty. Or like I already said, crumble this up and put it on ice cream. I think would be pretty good. Yeah, yeah. Are you going to be like really good like, topping in a pie crust? Mm. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm also going to give crust. this a four out of five crumbs in a bowl um, <laughs> because it's really good, and I find myself wanting to just suck up all of the crumbs into my mouth hole right now okay lick but i'll that wait plate, until we're KJ. done no lick it go ahead with the, with the recording. <laughs> we won't judge so yeah 
So yeah, I agree. Four out of five is a pretty good rating for me too. Yeah. It's pretty neutral. It's not uh, wow amazing, but it's four is better than average. So yeah. Well, I appreciate the airiness of it. Mm-hmm. I think like when I pulled it out because they look like they have like melted sugar on the top. Like it looks like it would be kind of more oh, like, sticky like and, and heavy. Yeah. Yeah, they're like. Yeah. I see how you could think that they would taste like a saltine because they look like it. They look mm-hmm. like well, kind of has that smell saltine. too to me. Really? Yeah. I think it has like a, an aroma. Yeah. Mm. Um, yeah. Yeah, I'm gonna give it a four too. Um, four point four for me is slightly above neutral on the good side. So <laughs> yeah, you, y'all it, with a four that is neutral, that means you have to me that From means there's again. a really <laughs> finite space for being very good. So, which I appreciate. But yeah, I'm gonna go four. And I'm going to leave it at that. Good. I don't know if, <laughs> if the rating changed now that KJ has it all over himself, but nope. Nope. Yep. Five. Still, it was 100%. worth it. It was worth it. It was worth the <laughs> licking of the bowl. We've got a, a vacuum, a robo vacuum. It'll clean that. <laughs> you side. got a cat. Well, yeah. <laughs> that too. <Okay. laughs> well, I'd buy these again. But uh, Sinead, thank you again um so much for coming on taking the time away uh, i know you tell daniel thank you as well uh for watching clara <laughs> i assume um, yeah there's swim lessons oh okay uh That's where fun. can people find you and where would you like people to find you online sure uh thanks for having me first of all it was nice to see all three of you i had met two out of the three so kj nice to finally interact with you directly yeah. you gotta <laughs> go just on talk you gotta about go on just those dms that point. she slid into in a very non-creepy very normal <laughs> yeah. way there you go. i know i was gonna say it's nice to talk to you about other things besides editing software yeah. <laughs> i mean i love talking about editing software so I'll, all day he would um, rather talk but about yeah. that <laughs> but people can find me uh on instagram at becoming boulder boulder b-o-u-l-d-e-r like boulder colorado That's wordplay Mm-hmm. And so is the podcast at Soul Conversations, like Soul Korea. Mm. Um, yeah, that's where I that's where I live. Oh, and T at TRA Mom Confessions. It's TRA Mom dot confessions, yes, right? Dot confessions. And that's a don't get confused. Yes, on Instagram. Okay. And we will have all of those linked in our show notes. Or they are linked in there right now. So you can go ahead and click on them. Yep. That's how that works. That's how it works. Um, you can and find that's how me. We work. <laughs> yeah, we. I don't we know. We've like that. we're severely losing steam at the end of the year. Let's do. this. Well, we have the, like weird these weird yeah. pauses. Like we're waiting for each other to like <laughs> t- pick it up. There we go. That's <laughs> background music. You can find us at uh, John She Show at justlikemedia.com. This is your that's captain funny. speaking. Yeah, you can find sorry. us at at John Chi Show on all the social media platforms. You can also send us an email to John Chi Show at justlikemedia.com. If you want to leave us a voicemail, you can call us at 972-677-8867. Last but not least, make sure you go onto Apple and Spotify to leave us a rating and a review because we really appreciate those. And last, last but not least, make sure you go to johnchishow.com where you can find out all of the different ways you can support our show. I have been Patrick in the world on Instagram. <laughs> nice. Yeah. Least but not last. Uh, I'm at KJ Rilke, wherever I want to be found on the internet. And I am N. Nowak on Instagram. And that's it for the show. 
<laughs> and one more did awkward it. pause before Nathan, we get out of here. That's some more All right, pauses. Well, um, Shanae, again, thank you so much for coming on and sharing so much with us. And for all of you listeners out there, we will see you again next week. Until then, Johnny, we'll see you. <laughs> you don't think I? 